people who feel excluded are probably not going to work that hard. Uh, and the data shows that included employees work harder and stay long. It's exactly. And retention. Retention is a huge issue coming up. And we've got the newer generation coming in looking exclusively <laughs> for inclusion, right? They know what they want and they are looking for that. So it is, yes, a, a good, strong, smart business move to be focused on this. Hi. Hello. 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 Hello and welcome to Architecting. Hey, hello and welcome to Architecting. I'm Adam Wagner. Our mission here on this podcast is to tell Colorado design stories. And recently we were able to do this at AIA Colorado's Design and Practice Conference in Keystone, Colorado. For me, this event is really a party where I get to be around all my favorite people, past guests, future guests, friends, and colleagues, and get them all in one place. This year, AIA Colorado graciously set up a, a glass podcast studio for me in the middle of the conference room where I was able to sit down with all the keynote speakers and other guests to recap and dive deeper into the talks that they gave. This will be a series of short interviews released over the next few weeks. For more information and pictures from these talks and events, you can check out our Instagram page or go to aiacolorado.org. Beyond the keynote speakers, I wanted to bring in a few of the other Colorado speakers into the booth to dive deeper. For this talk, we really maxed out the capacity of my little glass podcast fishbowl with the five members responsible for leading the Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion workshop at the conference. This panel includes Jason Pugh, the Global Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Ginsler, Adriana Medina Lopez Portillo, an educator, trainer, and consultant at Pangea Training, Mayling Crab, a workplace specialist at Stantec, Rafael Chavez, project architect at HDR, and Patricia Joseph Gill, an associate project architect at the ABO Group, the current NOMA Colorado president, as well as an instructor at CU Denver teaching with, with alongside me this semester. Their session was really a workshop instead of a lecture where groups of individuals got together and discussed different JEDI aspects. In our interview, we tried to summarize some of their discoveries and talk about JEDI issues in Colorado. Hey, this episode is brought to you in part by Signature Doors and Windows and Modern Denver Magazine. Now, on to the show. So yeah, so we have one of the, the breakout sessions here. It was the uh, JEDI session, and we had a nice large uh, group committee uh, leading it, and I think a, a different sort of approach for how this, this session and discussion was, was put together. Um, so we're going to let each person introduce themselves real fast. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Jason Pugh, principal with Ginsler, based out of Chicago office, uh, licensed architect and certified planner, and the global director of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Hi, Mailing Kraba. I'm a workplace strategist at Stantec. Rafael Chavez, uh, project architect with HDR, and uh, we talked about mentorship with, with my, my group. Adriana Medina, my firm is Pangea Training. We do intercultural and diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Patricia Joseph Gill, I am a project architect at the ABO Group. Yeah, and I think, you know, we might have to make this short because this is the most people will have in this booth, and it is getting a little warm already. Uh, but but I, I did want, yeah, if, if somebody could kind of uh, take us through the, the format of, of the session and what the sort of goals of that were. 
Sure. So the idea was to talk about Jedi, but since it's such a broad topic, we decided to have five different topics and then uh, have people go to whichever topic they felt inclined to go to, whether by relevance or interest or whatnot. So we did 15 minutes. Uh, it was like one round and then a second 15-minute round. The topics were, help me out here, allyship, mentorship, bias, intercultural communication, and... And inclusion. And, and inclusion. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I just, I just excluded inclusion. Yeah. The first and thing inclusion. you talked about. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how it worked. And then at the end, we asked uh, all the participants to say a pledge, to write a pledge, and say something about what they took out of their experience and what they were pledging to do. Right. I really like that that format where it gets people more engaged, but then it is harder to sort of summarize or, or be able to hear what's going on in each one of those conversations. So like someone want to kind of talk about some of the high points that or the some some of the major things that came out of the discussion in your group? I would like to talk about just some of the important decisions that led to how we formatted the session. I think it's really important to highlight the conference theme, which is Engage. And so that's why we really focused on bringing the conversations to people so that people attending, so that they can engage and kind of learn through participating. So that's the part that was engaging. And then we wanted to bring the engagement further from conversation, and so that's that ending piece, the pledge. So we had everyone, and we thought carefully about this word. <laughs> we talked about it a lot. What is a pledge? Why are we using that word? It sounds a little bit older. Um, maybe you have it in like uh, Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, but a pledge because we're serious. We want people to leave with an actionable item and kind of have onus on, are you going to do it? Are you going to do the pledge? Um, so just wanted to add that. I think... Something else that was really, really strong about the session was just, you know, the ability to have the roundtable breakout sessions. I mean, we literally, there was no formal presentation. We were up on, on, you know, in front of the room for maybe five minutes, quick introductions, and then we broke out into groups. And I think being able in those small breakout group sessions, being able to have really, really kind of difficult and tough conversations, a lot of people were opening up. Some of you all were sharing some of the uh, feedback and stories that people were sharing within your sessions. Some tears were shed in some cases, you know, and, and people were even kind of just recognizing. I, I saw a few people have like light bulb moments where they realized that there were things that they were even just kind of challenged with and struggling with, and they didn't quite have a word to describe it. And talking in these discussions in these sessions really helped to bring that out. So I thought that was really powerful. Is there like a specific story or or something that that someone that hit on on what Jason's talking about that came up in one of your groups? So for, for the mentorship group, I went in there without kind of a plan of attack or anything. I wanted to go in there with an open dialogue. And um, we had a couple uh, teachers and professors that, that went through our group and they were explaining mentorship, not only for, you know, the architecture profession, but architecture professors in, in the education, the higher ed level and how they are seeking mentorship for, for themselves in, in, in higher ed communities like um, you know for older faculty to be able to take them under and, and um, learn new things from them as well and it, it was something I, I never really thought about you know I'm, I'm thinking more about architect mentoring like you know incoming student or college student but 
you know, looking at the higher ed portion of it and, and how, how do they structure mentorship for, for themselves to, to evolve their, their education and their learning processes. Um, I found it very interesting and it was something I never thought about. Right, right. It's easy to think that somebody has, once you get a certain age or, or publish a certain amount of projects, you have all the answers, but it's like, we're all don't know what we're doing and insecure and could always use somebody that can help us. Right. Um, I would like to say a, a, a little bit of uh, the intercultural communication piece because the 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 way I was presenting it is like when we talk about diversity, we're talking about a, a mix of characteristics, people who come together. Then we think about inclusion, and that is, you know, the how people feel, how they feel welcome, respected, etc. But intercultural communication is the how we actually make that happen. It's kind of like we want to. It it helps us get to the outcomes. And um, what we did in the group, I had we did a quick role play where two people were reading from a scenario, but from the different perspectives and then we talked about that and I presented uh, a little model as to how to really slow down to describe, interpret, then feel your feelings but at the same time understand what's happening so you can negotiate yourself and navigate with others. And uh, that went really well. The second session was actually, there was someone from India, I'm actually from Mexico, someone from the United States and someone from Hawaii. So it looked like a little bit of a United Nations there. Uh, the conversation, although when we talk about intercultural competence, we're not focusing on national differences. We did have some interesting stories, like the person from India was telling us that when you, when you ask polite conversation you ask the person for their name and then the next question is how much do you make which is a total no-no in the United States so we had great examples there about how intercultural competence can help us really understand each other and not you know take it in a negative way I think one of the great things that you know you're hearing from what everyone's saying is you know it's a mindset thing so you know, no matter which group you went to, I um, talked about allyship, you're thinking overall, you know, as an advocate, as an active ally, right? You know, what mindset do I have and I can bring to the table, when it, whether it's mentorship, you know, who am I reaching out to for mentorship? How am I being inclusive with the spaces that I'm designing or, you know, the people that I'm bringing to the table, right? And so, you know, I think one of the nice things is that no matter where you went, you still got those overarching concepts. And, you know, in the vein of, you know, making sure that was engaging, making sure that it was active for people to have these discussions, we had takeaways so that, you know, people can, you know, continue that mindset, you know, continue the education because this isn't just a one-time thing. This is something where all of us, you know, are still gonna continue to grow as we talk about justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, you know, and on all of the five topics that we expanded upon as we think about the mindset and how we continue on, you know, promoting this and thinking about it as in our careers. There's a weird sort of thing where I was, I was coming from a podcast interview, had to run to the restroom and then go to your thing. And I was, I was actually standing in line for the restroom, which is not, and there was no line for the women's restroom. 
and and I and I was said like, oh, that's this is strange. It's reversed. And then I looked around, and somebody was like, well, yeah, a bunch of architects. And it was just like a bunch of line of white men and not as many women, right? And then we we go to the session, and you're talking about the sort of rainbow of people that is in that group. And I looked around, and there was two white men. And so all the guys from the bathroom didn't go to go to it, right? Um, and I think so. Like, what what are the things with with the the local Jedi group here that you're running up against, or that there some of the the pressures or struggles? And then uh, on the flip side, what are the things that have really been growing and, and succeeding uh, for the group? So I actually co-lead a equity coalition called um, Equity and the Built Environment of Colorado Coalition, also known as EBEC. Um, and so, you know, having done that uh, for the last few years, what and as I've worked with multiple professional organizations such as AIA, IADA, ASID, NEWH and such, um, you know, the people that realize that there's problems uh, are usually those who are experiencing them. And, you know, again, tying to the topic of allyship, you know, I think one of the things that is great about having this um, Jedi Committee for AIA is building that awareness that we need active allies that are white male, for example. And as you called out, that is, you know, the majority of the population here in Colorado, uh, you know, coming from Metro Detroit, much more diverse population, but that's because you have 10 million people with various backgrounds. So comparing the population there to here, I'm not surprised of the demographics of what's going on here, but building that awareness, building that mindset and having committees like the Jedi Committee here for AIA starts those conversations and hopefully breaks some of those barriers down of accessibility of like, I, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know how to be an active ally. And so you know, hopefully what this does and having these takeaways and um, the lessons learned here can be continued on and spread through AIA Colorado so that people feel like they can come to the table in a safe manner to have these conversations and educate themselves um, on how to, you know, be a better ally, help to move this industry forward when we're talking about being inclusive, being equitable, you know, showing that we can be and are diverse and attract, you know, talent here as well. What, thank you. I would like to expand on that just for the experience here at the conference. One of the challenges that I find in sessions like this, and this is just like I'm going to describe, we were at the end of the hall, so, you know, we were not really at the center of the happening in the conference. We were not able to get whatever the rating for credits is, so people would not get any credit going to our conference. So what I would love to do is to invite AIA next time for the conference to have a keynote speaker who actually, you know, centers the conversation into topics like this and actually have everybody more involved. But it's kind of like the system needs to support us. The, the more we're still on the sideline, the more is going to stay on the sideline. Oh, on top of that, I think making these type of conversations more present and visible in our community is very important. I think it kind of gets, like we were saying, it kind of gets pushed off to the side at the end of the hall or on the corner. And I think we need to have more of a priority of making these groups and identities put forth in, in, in the profession um, and, and 
AIA Colorado has begun to start to do that with like say the AIA awards, they, they have a whole category that you have to submit with Jedi kind of background and, and, and include that with your submission. And I think that's a great first step because it, it, it requires you to think about all those different things that, that you may not think about that are related to your profession. And it, it's, it's sort of the first step. And I think, you know, it, there should be more of that in, in, in our award programs, in our, um, you know, student advocacy groups and professional advocacy groups. So I, I think the more we, we, we talk about it, the more we should push for it. I think we also need to be really intentional of making the business case for diversity, equity, inclusion, right? I mean, we all know that the country is growing more and more diverse every year. The talent that's coming out of school is more and more diverse, right? You have this young generation that's coming in that grew up in a very, very inclusive world, right? A lot of access, a lot of connections, a lot of inclusivity, and they're coming into workforce and they're expecting to see the companies uh, support this, have it built into their mission statements and their ethos. They're expecting to see diversity across their leadership and their teams. And also the same graduates, those folks that are growing, our clients are growing more and more diverse as well. And they're expecting it of our team. So it's not just this altruistic thing. It's not just the right thing to do. Like there's a huge business case for it. And we already know there's statistics out there that prove time and time again, diverse teams outperform non-diverse teams, right? We have to really, I think, make the business case, and I think in order to reach a broader audience. Otherwise, in most cases, we're kind of preaching to the choir. And so I think if firms, if design firms, companies, if they're gonna stay relevant looking forward, the next 10, 20, 30 plus years, they have to embed DEI-focused policies and strategies into their workplace, into their, uh, into their work environment. Yay. I'd like to continue too because of the keyword inclusivity that you said, inclusive inclusion. <laughs> I've been saying it a lot because that was my topic as well. And so um, I think a big part that's missing right now is empathy for um, all of the initiatives we're trying to do, but why we're trying to do it and who's leading them. Um, like May said, there's a lot of initiatives in Colorado. I'm a current chapter president of Noma Colorado and a big <laughs> initiative that we've been doing this year is to be present, right? So we're trying to, you know, do our half of the the deal and going to offices, right? Being present. And so we've that's what we've been doing this year is having our membership meetings in offices where we may not have diversity yet. Um, they're interested in diversity, but um, it, you know, we are a chapter, we can show up and spend time with the leadership there and spend time with people working in that office. Um, and we're doing that because we wanna feel included and we wanna include everyone who wants to partner with us. And so we focused on inclusion in, uh, in the group that I led. And we even talked about the ways we felt excluded. So there, there's both sides to this. And if you're not able to empathize with the, the other side, the exclusive side, um, the feelings that come with that, um, you're missing out on having uh, employees who are included and feel included and will work harder and contribute to better company profit, better goals. Overall, the firm will work better. So it is part of the business. People who feel excluded are probably not going to work that hard. Uh, and the data shows that included employees work harder and stay long. It's exactly. And retention. Retention is a huge issue coming up with all of the changes um, with the boomer generation 
leaving and exiting companies and we've got what we call um, geriatric millennials who have bounced around so much that they're kind of tired and they just are settling in into offices because that's you know the choices have run out and we've got the newer generation coming in looking exclusively <laughs> for inclusion right they know what they want and they are looking for that so it is yes a, a good strong smart business move to be focused on this yeah well thank you you know i think that that point of just it's it's easy to not empathize uh, with with other people that you're not seeing, right? And 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 I think that's a really good point. And I think that you know letting this be a call that hey yeah Noma is out there the Jedi committee. I'm great with words. Um, the Jedi committee uh, with for AIA's out there and like. We all just need to get more engaged and, and uh, be meeting with people that are more different from us, right? And um, thanks for sharing that here at the conference and continue to, to promote it in Colorado. So, Thank you, thanks. Adam. You can visit architecting.com. That's architect-ing.com to see images from this week's guest. And please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week and keep connecting. Eli, this show is made by my mom and dad and these people. Heidi Mendoza, Emily Child, Fernando Queiroz, Zach Huff, Trevor Notzko, Aaron Best, Kyle Brunner, Rob Cleary. This podcast is powered by The Plug. This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day-to-day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts.